Welcome to the Table Leadership Podcast, where everyone is invited to pull up a seat, and all leaders have a voice to contribute to the conversation. We're glad you could join us today. And now, your host, Sian Edgerton. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Table Leadership Podcast. I am, um, I'm always excited. I love introducing you to my people, my friends, my mentors, uh, my co-laborers in Christ. Um, But I I have to admit that I am extra, super excited um, to introduce you to my friend Michaela today for a number of different reasons. Um, But first, I just want to say welcome, Michaela. Thank you so much for joining us at the table today. I am really, really honored to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. So um, introduce yourself first, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Well, my name is Michaela White, and uh, I'm from the Chicago area, born and raised here, Um, married to Stephen, childhood sweetheart. We have two little boys together, an almost seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, so they keep us busy. Uh, I serve full time as the executive director for the International Network of Children's Ministry. So I've been serving the family and uh, children and family ministry community um, for over a decade and just love getting to support those leaders and make sure they're connected to what they need to champion the discipleship of kids and families. So we um, we live a full life and I feel really thankful. That's awesome. And uh, for those who are watching um, and not just listening, those of you who are on our YouTube channel, you will notice, I've got to say, aside from the wealth of knowledge and experience and compassion and the incredible heart and leadership that Michaela brings to the table, um, the two things that I love the most about you is that, and we talked about this earlier too, your lipstick is always popping. Like I I feel almost like, I feel like I need to go put lipstick on right now. Um, And your lipstick is always, I love just scrolling through your feed on Instagram because it's it's either the awesome lipstick or the glitter. And tell yeah. us a little bit about because when you do your events and and I don't know, it seems like you just always have a stash of it in your office, but you make yeah. a point about with the glitter and the confetti and everything. Confetti is like your love language, I feel like. It but really I want to understand that because I see you post about that all the time at your conferences and at your events and everything. But just talk to me about like how the confetti became your brand. Okay. Well, um, well, first of all, confetti is just fun. So that, that's, that's awesome. But when we were thinking about like culture, right. For our community and for this network that we get to serve, um, I've always found that connecting value to something tangible, something that you can see, something that you can remember, um, it just, it helps to drive that deeper down into your heart and mind. I mean, it's, it's teaching, right? Object mm-hmm. lessons help to drive concepts home. And as a community together, we really wanted to be marked by a love for one another that left one another better than how we found each other mm-hmm. that kept showing up, um, even after the interaction and so, uh, and celebrating each other and the way that God is at work in one another's lives and in our leadership. 
And so there's this interesting thing about confetti that no matter how many times you vacuum it, you'll still keep finding it around, (laughs) you know, wherever the confetti popper went off, you're going to be finding it even after it's vacuumed. And we felt like what a great picture of celebration and kindness and the kind of love that we want to have stick around even after the, you know, lights have been turned off in the building. Um, than confetti. And so we call it confetti culture. Um, And so it's just this beautiful metaphor for how we desire to live together as a community of leaders that we're celebrating each other's leadership and what God is doing in one another's life, Mm -hmm. that our kindness and love is um, like an explosion and it's showing up even long after we've left each other's presence. Yeah. I love it. I knew there was intentionality behind it. So I'm glad I asked. Now I do have to ask also, how many confetti accidents have you had? I mean, how many times do you just accidentally like spill confetti? Is there a confetti accident? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's just confetti everywhere. It's, and it's confetti. all good. <laughs> I mean, I still, I'm kind of embarrassed by this, but like if I tipped my computer, I can show you, I still have leftovers from a confetti spill the other day on my floor. I I vacuumed it up yet just because it's really pretty. So that's great. That's so great. Um, Okay. Last confetti question, Mm -hmm. because like you said, it does tend to stick around. Where is the weirdest place you have ever found confetti? Um, Can I, can I really tell you? In your bra? (laughs) You can edit that out. You can edit that out. It's a but party everywhere. Oh my god! Everywhere. I love it. I want to. I want to come to one of your events just for the confetti culture. Honestly, you know, that's so great. Okay, so before we get to the really good stuff, one kind of final fun question that I have to ask you because I ask everyone is that if we were actually gathered at a table together, because that's. I mean, that's what I love to do: gather people around a table and let's eat and have good conversations and just pour into one another. Um, if we were able to do that, if we weren't constricted, not only because of time and space, but COVID, what would you be feeding us? Mm. Okay. So some of this is based on season. So I will just go like right now, Mm -hmm. I'm all about bruschetta for appetizer just because I have all of the basil in my garden right now and I could eat bruschetta all day long. So we'll do bruschetta for an appetizer. And then I've been experimenting lately with different kinds of flatbreads. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a flatbread person, yep. but the other night I made a caramelized red onion, portobello mushroom, bacon, and Italian blended cheese with a balsamic and garlic glaze. Oh my gosh. It, that's what I would make for us. Yeah. <laughs> Bruschetta and flat, all the carbs. I love mm-hmm. All the carbs. Why not? Carbs make people happy. That's great. So um, I'm really excited for this conversation today. And oftentimes, you know, I told you, I I asked the guests, hey, what do you want to talk about? What do you bring to the table? But I actually invited you specifically today because I already had a topic in mind and it's one that you and I, you know, have talked about a lot. Um, Most of you, for those of you who subscribe to our newsletter for any length of time, I'm sure you've heard me talk, well, I guess not heard me talk about, but seen me write about the idea of rest and Sabbath frequently. It's kind of a revolution uh, that God brought into our lives about 
eight years ago now, and it was absolutely transformational. I mean, it changed our, our work ethic. It changed our marriage. It changed our family. Um, it changed our spirituality. It changed absolutely everything. And recently within the past year, I was really feeling convicted to just grow in my understanding of the intention behind Sabbath of what that idea really is and what it means and, you know, what it is and what it isn't. And so I contacted my friend Michaela, um, who I know is a regular practicer of Sabbath. And I said, Hey, can we just have some conversations? I just want you to help me kind of deepen my understanding and peel back some of the layers for me. And I don't know what I was expecting, but what I got was just gold, absolute solid gold gold. And I thought I have to share this with our community because even in the places where I've learned about Sabbath, even the people who have kind of mentored me in the idea of, you know, having a day of rest, it still did not go to the layers and the levels that my conversation with you did. And so I'm just excited to have you come and share with us about the idea of Sabbath. Um, and I just, I appreciate you sharing your time and your wisdom. And what I want to really kick off with, because I think there's kind of a a broad spectrum, you know, and so I want to start at the end for those of us that are listening who say, I don't even really know what Sabbath is. Um, Mm -hmm. We live in a culture that is just go, 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 busy, do all the time, even on our day off. I mean, even if you do have like a traditional five-day work week, weekends are just packed full. That's when we're getting all the extra stuff done that we couldn't do during the week. And the idea of really taking a full day off um, is so countercultural. You know, we kind of drive ourselves to burnout and then we take a week of vacation. And then there's more months of driving ourselves to burnout and then we take a little vacation and sometimes vacation isn't even vacation. Mm-hmm. And so for, for those who are thinking, what, what even is Sabbath? Isn't that kind of old fashioned? Isn't that very old Testament? Isn't that very like 10 commandments? Um, wh- where would you kind of start us off with just understanding the concept and the relevance for us today of the practice mm-hmm. of Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Well, first I just, um, want to say thank you for making space for this kind of a conversation for, for leaders because I um, I think it's so critical probably more than ever mm-hmm. for us to be connected to the Lord in this way and Sabbath um, as we'll, we'll talk through is I think just foundational and transformational in the life of a disciple. So um, thanks for thanks for making space for it. I honestly, with um, regard to just what is Sabbath and is it still relevant? I, I feel like the best place we could begin the conversation is right back at the beginning. And I think there is a little bit of a misconception that Sabbath is, you know, um, began with the Ten Commandments, you know, when it was codified there at Mount Sinai. And it's actually um, not true. We see Sabbath showing up at the very beginning. So, you know, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And after six days of creating and bringing life to the universe, um, you read in chapter two that by the seventh day, God had finished his work that he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Um, And then there's this beautiful sentence that we often, you know, blow past, but there is so much in it of then God blessed the seventh day Mm -hmm. and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work he had been doing in creating. 
So, you know, scripture is telling us there that for six days, God's bringing everything into being Mm -hmm. and it was so good. And then scripture tells us he set a rhythm. Yeah. And so, you know, Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally does mean to stop. And I think we have to catch that God, the king of the universe, creator of the universe, stopped. Mm -hmm. And by doing this, he's establishing a rhythm into the DNA of creation. The idea of preeminence, like first in Hebrew um, and in rabbinic teaching is actually really important. And so I think that if you are a, 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 a rabbi or a Jewish person or someone who knows Hebrew and you're reading the scriptures, the Genesis 1 and 2 is so critically important because it sets preeminence. Mm-hmm. And so that rhythm, that first rhythm really matters. Yeah. Um, and so by doing this, he's established a cadence in time. And and inside of that cadence, perfect cadence, right? There is no brokenness in the world yet. This is a perfect cadence, a perfect rhythm. Mm-hmm. Inside of that rhythm, the world flourishes and thrives. Outside of that cadence, we suffer. And we see that unpacked throughout the rest of scripture. But I would say at its simplest, Sabbath is a day to stop, stop doing, stop working, stop laboring, stop striving, stop achieving, stop accumulating. And it is this primary discipline by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness that permeates our entire lives. And not only that, um, you know, I think when you go to other passages that unpack this uh, Sabbath, we saw it like God wasn't napping. <laughs> you know, it, it was a day where we saw God settling as in as a good king, mm-hmm. delighting in his kingdom, peacefully reigning. Because if you um, if you go to uh, further further on in scripture, the words for stopping and resting, it's not just Shabbat, it's also Nuach. And that is like, that's the idea of settling in. Like, yeah. so it's this image of a king sitting on the throne mm-hmm. and just reigning, mm-hmm. just being there. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's important to notice. So going back to that line about how he blessed it and, and called it holy, when you when you note the fact that he blessed animals, he blessed humans. The blessing he gave to animals and humans was be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. He also blessed the Sabbath. Yeah. And like to miss that is to miss the fact that um that means that the Sabbath has qualities like the ability to add life to the world. Mm. And so that's why we call it a gift and a reward in and of itself. It is a blessed day that has the ability to be fruitful and multiply, to add life. Wow. And and then the only thing set apart as holy was the seventh day. So before God gave the Bible or a single commandment, before man built the first temple, before a prayer was prayed, the first thing that's established as holy is the Sabbath day. Yeah. And, 
you know, I, one of my favorite um, Jewish writers was Abraham Joshua Heschel. And he said that before man could build him a sanctuary in space, the Lord established for himself a sanctuary in time. Mm. And I think that's just a beautiful way to unpack that, that yeah. God himself declared the Sabbath to be a holy and blessed day. It has the ability to add life. It's this perfect cadence and rhythm set into the DNA of creation and inside of it, everything flourishes. So that would be, that would be where I would say we've got to start with Sabbath there before we start to talk about, you know, the law and how it was codified for the people of Israel. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And what I love, um, you know, it always reminds me of um, Jesus's baptism, you know, before he's actually done anything and started his ministry. And, you know, the voice of his father says, Hey, I am proud of you. I am well pleased with you. I love the Sabbath, this blessed and holy day of rest was humankind's first experience. It wasn't work. It wasn't doing, obviously we had this mandate to care for creation and, and to be fruitful yeah. and multiply, but the, the very first experience that we ever had with our good heavenly father was that of rest, not yeah. the striving and proving and performing and achieving and all of the things that we think that we have to do. But mm-hmm. our first experience with him was that of rest. and. Yeah you know, how, how much are we missing out on and how much have we bastardized that, that day and that time and that space? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a, there's potentially, um, for a lot of people where I've seen kind of the, the, um, tension around Sabbath start to untie a bit is when we really understand holiness. Mm -hmm. And, and like what made it holy because the Sabbath, what you're getting at of this first experience being rest, Mm -hmm. like this is, that's what we were made for. Mm -hmm. We were made for that presence of God and we were made to be, be in his presence. Like the word rest, like means to like settle your weight on something, like to, to lean into something. And uh, like, what a beautiful picture to have a day set apart with the Lord for us to lean in just to know God. And that's, that's the singular occupation that we have in the kingdom and, and in our, our heavenly citizenship is to know the Lord. And, and that's what the Sabbath day is. It's a day to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a different day. Holy doesn't mean the opposite of holy isn't evil, the opposite of holy isn't bad. It's just normal. The opposite of holy is normal, mundane. And so to have this day that's set apart and holy means that it's a day set apart for the Lord. That That's what makes it holy is that it's for the Lord. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And so I want, in light of that, I also want you to talk with us a little bit about the idea of maybe not necessarily what Sabbath isn't, but what Sabbath goes beyond. Because I do think, especially in recent years, there's been a slight cultural shift and we're, we're hearing more talk about rest and the importance of self-care and soul care. Um, but Sabbath goes beyond that. 
honoring and practicing the Sabbath day, it's not just about soul care and self-care. And so talk a little bit about the difference between what, what Sabbath is, what it's intended for, what it actually brings about versus self-care because self-care is important. Soul care is important. Absolutely. But there's a distinction between those things and Sabbath. And can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I would say um, Sabbath absolutely does feel like it's having a little bit of its day in the sun as far as spiritual practices go. Um, I think it's gotten a lot of more um, conversation around it in the past couple of years, which I, it has been positive, but also, um, I do like you feel some concerns about the ways that it's presented in that it tends to be more talked about from the self-care perspective than, um, from what it means for our relationship with the Lord and relationship to his kingdom. And to be honest, um, self-care habits are, are really important and I'm a huge fan. So like, I'm all about self-care. Um, but to, to have a self-care habit be the only, um, reason I would give up a day of my week and my productivity, that's not enough to convince me to do that. You know what I mean? Like that's not sustainable. What does convince me in my heart and mind and soul is a um, practice with the Lord that deepens my relationship with him, that transforms my entire life and gives me a glimpse of his kingdom. That's that change. That's something I'm willing to sacrifice for. And so that's why I think it's really important that we understand what Sabbath actually is, because you won't be convinced to give up a day of your week in this culture mm-hmm. if if that's not the foundation and the basis. Yeah. Um so so what what it is and isn't I, I'm wondering if we could maybe spend a little time in Exodus to unpack that a little bit. So so when you when you go to Exodus and you see the Sabbath starting to show up there it's after, um, so Israel, were, they were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. Mm-hmm. God sends Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Um, the Passover is established. Um, but what I think is important is that Sabbath shows up in Exodus before the Ten Commandments. God gives his people Passover. He gives his people a calendar yeah. while they are still slaves in Egypt. They haven't left yet. And so the Lord is moving in and saying, hey, you're mine. You're my people. I've heard you. You now have time. You have a calendar. This is a, this is a holy day for you. Also, I'm giving you rest and, and a day of rest. Now, I, I think if we, um, if we move past that too quickly, we are, we're missing a lot about the heart of God and we're missing a lot about the heart of Sabbath. Um, but if you think about slave culture, 430 years, I, I, I would have to check the math on this, but I think that's probably like at least 15 generations, Mm -hmm. at least 15 to 18, maybe generations. So you think about generational trauma of slavery Mm -hmm. as a slave, you don't have your own time. You don't have your own calendar. You are at the whim of your master. You are a utility. 
Yeah. And here's the king of the universe coming in and saying, no, as, as my children and as, as citizens of my kingdom under my rule and reign, you have a day to rest. Wow. This is a gift given to free people. Mm -hmm. Free people get to rest. And so he's coming in and saying, I've heard your cries. I've seen you laboring. And I am giving you a day to rest because you're mine and because I'm your king. The kings of this world are not your ruler. So that, like, Sabbath is a gift to free people. So when I struggle as a citizen of the kingdom with a good king who, who loves me, when I struggle to take that day and that time, I have to ask myself, what has me captive? Mm-hmm. Who, who am I enslaved to? What am I enslaved to? Because the gift my king gives me is freedom. And not just, not, not just freedom and deliverance, but like rest, complete rest, total rest. Um, and so that, like that, that is, I think, really important for us to understand that it's lavishly loving. Also, because it's a cadence in time, it happens with or without me. Mm. So I am not what makes Sabbath holy. It is holy because he said it is. It's happening because he put it in time. I am invited to it because I'm free. So at that point, that gift, that's my choice. And so then you move into Mount Sinai. They show up at Mount Sinai. And what are the Ten Commandments? I think the Ten Commandments can sometimes get a little bit of a bad rap because, you know, it feels like rules. But you and I know this as parents. Rules are loving. Yeah. When they're the right, like, you know what I mean? Like when they are right and when they are grounded in, in having the best interest at heart for our children, those rules are protection and kindness and love and also freedom. Yeah. You know, and, and what God was telling Israel there at Mount Sinai is you are my people. You are to represent me in this world. Like that I have a, I have established in you a kingdom that is now and not yet. So the way that our kingdom functions and the way that our kingdom operates and how we will exist together, here's the code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Here's the manifesto. And, and the, the Ten Commandments was a sign of relationship. Yeah. No, no other people had that, um, significant, like manifesto how we will exist together as a kingdom. And so I think, um, you know, the Lord, the Lord um, was revealing to Israel, this is how you orient your life towards me. Mm-hmm. This is how you order your life towards me and the way that my kingdom off- operates. Um and so he, he says there in Exodus, he also repeats in Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. 
you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. I think what we can miss in there is that by observing the Sabbath day, it was an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. He was reminding them, you were once slaves. You are not now. Every time you observe this day, remember what I freed you from. And so now that you're free and you're not under the calendar and cadence of Egypt, like that, that memory of slavery in Egypt would grow distant from generation to generation. But the Lord changes the language in Deuteronomy from remember to observe because now Sabbath was to be a generational rhythm. Yeah. A way to remember and a way to resist the pull to a different kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so this, like, so to kind of wrap up that thought, all of that is important because what you will see from this point on in scripture is the way that the prophets and the apostles would refer to the Sabbath as a type, uh, as a representation and type of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And this is where Sabbath sits in the middle of this now and not yet kingdom and also pulls back to Eden. Right. So our hearts we were made for that Eden existence. Yeah. We were made for that perfect, beautiful kingdom where we settle in with the king of the universe. And, and he gave us Sabbath in, at the beginning, he reminded his people who were called to represent him on this earth that this was, this was a part of what it looked like to live in his presence and to represent him in this world. Mm-hmm. Also, this is what it's going to taste like in the future. So like when we talk about it being the sanctuary in time, Sabbath supersedes the timeline. Mm-hmm. It goes backwards and forwards. And I think that's one of the things about it over, over the time that we have practiced Sabbath that has continued to blow my mind a bit because it is, it's a taste of the kingdom. It is a glimpse of, our heavenly citizenship. And because of that, it changes, it makes, it makes it more real. I think um, you are the first guest that has brought me to tears with what you've shared. It is obviously uh, a deep value when you can just talk about God's heart and intent for Sabbath. and, And I am not like a cry person. Um, but when you can just talk about God's heart for us and our experience of Sabbath and what that truly means, and just that can touch my soul in such a way mm-hmm. that it brings me to tears. Um, there is there is something deeply valuable and spiritual in this. And for us to give that up, for us to hand that over and to say, ah, no, thank you. I'll, I'll go without, gosh, we're missing, we're missing so much and we're missing the tool of what it is. You know, you talked about how it goes back to Eden and this, oh my gosh, seriously, I cannot have podcast guests making me cry. (laughs) Um, 
this idea of going back to Eden, going back to creation, going back to this time where we're actually living into the fullness that God created and designed us for. And that's what we want, right? When we talk about the kingdom of heaven, when we talk about that reality on earth, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Eden experience. And I think it's so easy to say like, okay, well, we'll get to experience that one day, right? When Mm -hmm. our time comes, Mm -hmm. the reality is that Sabbath actually brings that experience here. The kingdom of heaven itself, the Eden experience itself is manifest by Sabbath, not just for us, but for the world at large. That's exactly right. Talk a little bit about the values not the value of Sabbath, but the values of Sabbath. What are the values that God has that are expressed through Sabbath? And how how can we experience Sabbath as a, a reconciliation tool? Totally, totally. Um, so a little bit of context, because I realized I didn't share this at the beginning. Um, I'm a Jewish believer in Jesus. And so I grew up, um, my my formation around Sabbath was probably a little bit different than I feel like many of my friends who grew up in Gentile Christian churches. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this misnomer that Jesus was down on the Sabbath. And, and I think I, and I can understand it because a lot of his arguments centered around that. Mm -hmm. But when you don't, when, when we don't, um, recognize that the Sabbath is so representative of the kingdom, mm-hmm. we we don't understand why the arguments were there or why they were important. Yeah. So I want to I want to set that up a little bit just for for clarity to to get to answering your question if that's okay. Yes. Um so um you know in scripture um the Lord gave the um the priests and the teachers of the the law the authority to um interpret it mm-hmm. okay and and so there is in hebrew culture and you'll see this you'll see this all throughout scripture once you start looking for it um a practice called halachic discourse mm-hmm. and it is um productive intentional discussions, not arguments, discussions <laughs> around the law. Sounds like arguments, but this it's just culturally different. Okay. okay. And so uh, you have to view it like legal discourse, right? So they are, they're taking what might feel kind of vague in scripture. And how do we ensure we practice this? Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we put this into practice as a people together? That's where you start to see the Pharisees and the Sadducees come from because they were different groups interpreting the law. Right. And they had different, you know, feelings about how, to what extent they should go on that. Okay. So Jesus and his disciples, Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus had disciples. This is not uncommon in the culture. And so oftentimes where the rabbis were going to try the Pharisees and Sadducees and all of the groups could unite and try to pin Jesus down on would be on the Sabbath. Um, but also uh, Jesus, um, 
he was, he kept the Sabbath the best of anybody. And I want to unpack a little bit why, and this is where the justice and mercy piece comes in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think probably one of the best passages um, that I think your listeners could dig into would be Mark 2, verses 23 through 27. Mm-hmm. And this is when um, Jesus and his disciples are um, you know, throughout their ministry, going from one city to the next. And at this point, they're walking through grain fields and the disciples picked some heads of grain to eat. And the Pharisees said, they're doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. Explain this. Mm-hmm. They opened the door to Halakhic discourse. And Jesus, in the most beautiful mic drop, like legal manner, refers them to scripture refers yeah. them to the Torah. And he said, you know, have you never read? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for a man not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Mic drop. Yep. He won the legal argument there. Why? He used scripture to remind them something about Sabbath that had been lost in all of the legal prohibitions. And that is that acts of compassion and mercy supersede any Sabbath prohibition. The alleviation of human suffering, the alleviation of human suffering supersedes Sabbath prohibitions. Why? Because it represents the kingdom. Sabbath is a taste of the kingdom. So if I encounter someone who has hurt, if I encounter an animal that is stuck in a ditch, what am I going to do? Rescue. Now, yep. Because it's not representing the kingdom and the and and the the fullness, the delight, the beauty of the kingdom. And I think that that's so important for us to remember about the Sabbath, because it wasn't that Jesus was saying, you know, screw it, don't rest anymore. Far from it. He kept the Sabbath the best of anybody because he was perfect. He could not fail at keeping the law yeah. or he wouldn't be our Messiah. He kept it perfectly. What he was modeling was you're forgetting something. This is not all about you. Mm-hmm. And that that is where the whole soul care piece about the Sabbath concerns me personally, because it takes vision off of this whole kingdom picture of Sabbath and puts it squarely on myself and how I'm doing. And though I am included in that, I am not singularly representing the kingdom. Right. And so I remember when you and I months ago talked about this and you kind of opened my eyes to this idea that Sabbath is about alleviating suffering and showing mercy and justice and compassion. You talked about the idea that because of that, because of the nature and intent of Sabbath, that it's, it's aside from the fact that it's beyond me, it's beyond humankind. It's, it's not only relational, spiritual, it's, 
economic, it's environmental, that there are these broken systems that we see in the world because of how we have stewarded things and that Sabbath potentially can actually reset that. Can you just talk? Because that that blew my mind just in itself. But can you talk a little bit about that idea? Absolutely. Um, so there's, there is something in Leviticus 23 that, I mean, Leviticus is where all of our best intentions on a like Bible reading plan get tested, you know, (laughs) but there Leviticus 23 is really interesting because it's where God lists out his appointed times in Hebrew. It's the Moed and the appointed time is, um, I think the best way to, define it is these were the points in times where God said he was going to meet with his people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's where you see the high holy days and the feasts. And, um, in, like I mentioned earlier, first and preeminence matters in the way that you read Hebrew scripture. And so the very first Moed is the Sabbath. So it's listed first and it's first because it's the first and most important of the Lord's appointed times. And um, one of the things he says in Leviticus 23, 14, is that it is to be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Why is that so important? Because even if the appointed place is removed, Mm -hmm. the appointed time still stands. Yeah. Okay. So again, sanctuary and time, appointed time still stands. This means that they're not to be canceled. And um, when, when you look at the Moeds and when you look at the way that God set up Sabbath, um, year of release, year of Jubilee, if we were to actually practice those, so in terms of um, economics, to not purchase to not accumulate mm-hmm. on the appointed times that God established that to not take place. If we were to stop farming, start, stop mining, stop, you know, uh, transforming the earth on the days and to practice year of release, year of Jubilee. If we were to socially release, like there was a whole thing about releasing slaves, paying off debts, releasing from um, things that were owed, reset, there would be economic justice, social justice, environmental justice all across the board because it represents his kingdom. Yeah. And because, because his kingdom, it, the people of God were to practice and represent, this is what it would look like to live in the presence of God. And, and to practice that would be justice, compassion, mercy, alleviation of suffering across the board. That absolutely blows my mind because it's not taught. You know, in mainstream Christianity, we don't hear about Sabbath you know. outside of memorizing the Ten Commandments, you know, right. or a Snickers bar in children's church. <laughs> we don't, we don't hear about, we don't hear about the possibility of realizing social justice, economic justice, environmental justice through the practice of Sabbath. When we were sent out to go make disciples of all nations, at what point did this part of it just disappear? 
Mm-hmm. Why, why is it missing? Why is this understanding missing for so many of us? Um, I think this is, this is really hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for many believers, but in, if you really dig into early church history and what happened in the early councils, there was a really unfortunate break in the ways that the Gentile church and the Jewish believers it start interacted. Mm-hmm. And um, as early as I would say probably 70 to 100 AD, we have record of early church fathers articulating that they wanted nothing to do with the Jewish believers. And, um, you know, you, I, I, when you look at even the Council of Nicaea, that is really where a lot started to change with Passover being replaced by Easter, the Lord's Day replacing the Sabbath, and there being really a complete break from the Jewish roots of the faith and the Jewish practice of faith in Jesus. And um, it was a sad departure. And um, you start to misread things like Hebrews and Galatians. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul Paul practiced the Sabbath. So to say that his writings were anti-Sabbath is a misreading of the scripture. Um, and to not understand Sabbath as a type of the kingdom makes it really hard to read Hebrews and Galatians and even understand really what you're reading. Yeah. So um, I think that there that unfortunate break has led to a misunderstanding and a misrepresentation of Sabbath across the board. And it really has been a bit of a theft, I feel like, mm-hmm. from believers today and their and their walks with the Lord. It it feels like something has been stolen. And, and, and that's honestly, when I, when I have conversations about this with my um, friends who have grown up in a Gentile Christian mm-hmm. environment, it, it is literally articulated. It feels like I've been robbed. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I would say, yes, there, like there is a human component to that, but I feel like there's a significant spiritual component to that mm-hmm. of, of, you know, we don't, just battle against flesh and blood. Right. And to neutralize the connection a believer has to their heavenly citizenship makes it a lot easier for the, a believer or someone who says they follow Jesus to justify things that are anti-kingdom because I'm not, weekly practicing that taste of my heavenly citizenship. Yeah. So matters of justice start to feel a little bit less important. Yeah. And a lot of things become more permissible. Mm -hmm. And eventually you're running at a pace where you are too frantic and too busy to even pay attention to the fact that you're not really a citizen of this place. You know, what stands out to me, especially when you talk about going back to the origins of the early church and how the the Jewish faith was not represented and the Jewish leaders were not represented there and that that was intentional. Um, taking that in one hand, 
And then also understanding what you've shared with us about the power that Sabbath actually has to make justice a reality in all of its many and varied forms. It, it makes perfect sense why that would be a place that, that the enemy has fought the hardest, that the powers of this world, that the spiritual battle happening there would be to divide. Why? For the sake of division? No, I mean, we know the enemy loves to divide you know, mm-hmm. on anything that we can be divided on, but it just, it stands out to me, you know, why would that division be so necessary for the powers of darkness and evil? Well, because then it means that a good majority of believers around the world are being robbed and missing out on this powerful and holy and blessed tool that we have been given that could actually bring about a revolution of justice on this earth and could actually manifest the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. The, The most powerful tool that we could ever possess in our toolbox as believers was taken away from us. We were kept from knowing about it and gosh, look at the state of things. You nailed it. What's one thing I would say that I, um, I feel like has been such a deception is, well, this idea, you know, well, Jesus came to abolish the law and to free us from that. And he himself said, that is not true. Mm -hmm. I did not come to destroy the law. Why would he destroy his own code of conduct? Mm-hmm. It was the fact that in my, my brokenness and in my flesh, I could never, I could never keep that perfectly, mm-hmm. yeah. but he can, he did. And because of that, I'm covered in the grace of Jesus. Just because I'm covered in the grace of Jesus does not mean I have license to lie. Does not mean I have license to murder. Does not mean I have license to commit adultery. Also doesn't mean license that I no longer need or should keep the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And, and that I think is, is part of the tension is when I convince myself that I don't need this established rhythm in time, that it somehow doesn't apply for me, that I have supernaturally evolved above a need to keep in cadence with what he said. Like that's, that is where I would say for, for someone who is feeling like if you're listening and you're feeling in your soul, like that hum in the back of your mind of like, I am running out. And that hum of like one more thing and it's just going to snap. Yeah. Or that hum of like, I don't even really know what I belong to right now. Mm-hmm. Like That's a pretty good indication that you're operating outside of the cadence. And there is a cadence that you can flourish inside of. Mm-hmm. It's the one he set. And on that day to know the Lord, you are reminded of your heavenly citizenship. You rest, meaning you settle in completely onto him and his sufficiency. And you just take 24 hours to rehearse what eternity is going to feel like. That's all you're doing. Yeah. How good is that? Mm. Don't we need in 2020 
a regular rhythm of rehearsing eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, um, and that, that language that you used of other friends that you've talked to who have had their eyes opened and said, gosh, I feel like I've been robbed. I absolutely resonate with that. Um, but what I am so grateful for right now in this moment is that, and, and I, I speak this on behalf of everyone who's listening to that of all the things that feel like, gosh, we were robbed of Sabbath. We were robbed of this tool for justice. We were robbed of this understanding of our identity as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Like we've been robbed of this. You have restored a piece of what was taken of what was lost to us because of generations upon generations of misunderstanding, misteaching, lack of representation of, of Jewish believers. Um, you've restored a piece mm. of that. So thank you. The, the last thing that I want to ask you two two things is for someone who's listening, who this is just absolutely blowing their mind as it did mine the first time we had this conversation and, and absolutely transformed our experience and practice of Sabbath. Are there other resources that you would recommend, whether it's <clears throat> um, audio, video, books, something that we could dig into further to continue peeling these layers back and understanding the true heart and intent of Sabbath? That's part one. And then the second part is, for someone who's listening, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, I'm really going to start honoring a day off. Right. But now we've had our minds blown by this understanding and theology and practice of what Sabbath was actually intended and created for. And that feels huge. What are some of the tangible steps? Cause I think it's really sure. easy to either feel like, wow, I'm not even sure how to walk in that. So where mm-hmm. do I begin? And it's mm-hmm. also really easy to fall again into legalism. Okay. Sure. So this is the rule now. This is the law. I don't work, but, but that's also not what it is. And so right. how do we actually begin taking some steps to practice and understand and honor Sabbath in the way that God intended us to where, where can we start? Absolutely. Well, in terms of a resource, I would recommend, I would recommend the book from Sabbath to the Sabbath by David Thomas Lancaster. Um, he's a Messianic Jewish believer at, or I'm sorry, he's actually a Gentile believer who is a Messianic rabbi. Okay. So um, really, really fantastic perspective on Sabbath. Um, and so if you want to kind of go from Genesis to Exodus Leviticus into the New Testament and Hebrews and Galatians, like he takes you through all of it. It's fantastic. Awesome. Um, I would also um, recommend uh, The Sabbath by Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, He was a Jewish rabbi, so this isn't from a Christian perspective, um, but it is full of gold. So, um, and very easy to read. You'll probably want to read it a couple of times. Um, It's a beautiful read on the Sabbath. Um, So those are some resources I would definitely recommend. Um, Practically, I would say my, my first encouragement always is to just start where you're at, not where you feel like you should be. So the point being just begin, I just begin. And, um, I think there's some, some advice out there that I has value of like, just take a couple of hours and ease into it. And I understand that, um, line of thought, but I'm going to encourage everyone a little bit differently. 
I'm going to encourage you to go for the full 24 hours. Just go for it because, and you might be very different from me, but I feel like as humans, it takes us a little bit to come off of that dopamine addiction state of our brain to the way that we um, just kind of latch on to achievement and accomplishment and productivity and doing. Mm -hmm. And, and so that takes time for you to come off of and let your soul get to a place where you can just really sit in that space of, of Sabbath rest. And I don't know how else you get to that other than time, which is why I'm saying the full 24 hours makes a ton of sense to me. Once I realize, like, oh yeah, six hours does not cut it for me. Does not cut it. So um just start, just begin and go for the full 24 hours. Um one thing that has been particularly helpful for me and our family, we have two young children, like I mentioned, is to follow that sunset to sunset mm-hmm. kind of rhythm. Yeah. Um Children in ways that adults aren't are much more in tune with the, with nature, with the world. And so that, that like light, dark sensory of sunset to sunset, they can just latch onto it. They're good. And so that time more than time on a clock has been really helpful for us. Also, it's a Hebrew tradition to look at time that way. It's a very hope-filled way of looking at time. So even that has changed our perspective of instead of light turning to dark, you know, like that morning to evening, it's dark turning to light. And so that's been, that's been a beautiful way to teach our children. Also practically, it's an opportunity to crash into Sabbath, eat, go to bed and wake up, Mm -hmm. you know, for that full day. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, And then I would just really um, encourage people, um, that viewing, viewing Sabbath through the grid of what I can't do is like, that's an exercise in missing the joy and I, and missing the point of Sabbath. So asking can questions Mm -hmm. is really important. Like what can you do to set your mind on the kingdom and things above? What can you do to create an environment of worship and delight? What can you do to reign and be about your father's heart of healing and restoration in this day? So just to remember, it's a gift and it's not a burden. What can I do to live out my heavenly citizenship in this day is the more important question than what can't I do? Yeah, that's huge. I feel like we could continue to have this conversation and unpack. And, and I mean, obviously we could, um, because there's just so much depth and beauty to what God has gifted us with through the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am absolutely confident that you have, uh, touched and resonated with many, many, many hearts that are listening. Um, and I'm just, hopefully this won't be our last conversation. You know, I'm sure there will be follow-up. Um, I am anticipating, uh, getting probably a bigger response from this episode than any of our episodes prior, um, because of the spiritual realities that Mm -hmm. are at play because Mm -hmm. of the opportunity to see reconciliation and justice Mm -hmm. and peace in ways that 
we never have before. Um, and especially to feel the freedom for those of us who are concerned about those things, about justice and all of the injustice and systemic issues in our world, you know, like you said, both relationally, racially, mm-hmm. economically, environmentally, um, it feels like we can't stop working. Yes. We can't stop fighting. We can't stop um, being activists. We can't stop protesting. We can't stop, you know, all of the things that it feels like, oh, we can't stop fighting. We have to work towards these things. And yes, the peace and the justice and the reconciliation is good. But gosh, just the freedom and the reminder in Sabbath that when we are settling in, mm-hmm. like you said, to our Heavenly Father, to our identities, into the kingdom of heaven, that we aren't stopping the work. We're actually Mm -hmm. engaging with it more fully. We're not taking a break from the activism and the pursuit of justice and reconciliation. We are actually leaning into and utilizing the most important tool that we have to continue doing that work. And that Mm -hmm. honoring Sabbath itself is actually activism in motion or yes. activism at rest, I guess, but yes, but it's just, it's the freedom, even just in that. Yeah. In and the physical and the spiritual, it's an act of resistance. Yeah. This was, I'm so excited for Sabbath now. I mean, I always am, but every time I have a I know. with you, you know, I go back and I talk to Mike and the kids and, and they, you know, we love Sabbath just in general. We get so excited when Friday's coming, yes. you know, start preparing and like getting our candles out and everything. Um, but every little tidbit that I get to share with them, it just, you know, we're all like, oh my gosh, is it Friday? Yeah, we're so excited for Sabbath <laughs> because we understand yes this act of resistance, we understand what we're actually doing, the ground that we're standing on spiritually. I am already like in my spirit, just so excited and ready to go. And I, I feel like there's not appropriate or adequate words because thank you just doesn't cut it, but, um, you will, I'll never be able to express how much I value your experience and your knowledge and your theology and your willingness to share that it is absolutely transformational and mm-hmm. i really meant what i said when you today have restored some of what has been robbed from those mm-hmm. of us who didn't understand sabbath and so um i just i thank you and i bless you and i just so i know i'm speaking on behalf of everyone listening when i just say we so appreciate you being here with us Well, it's an absolute honor, and I am thankful for you asking the questions and um, would love to just bless you and your listeners in the way that we bless our family around our table on Shabbat. Um, And so, um, Lord, I just um, thank you for our friends and for the ways that you have created them, Father. And so we ask in your name, Father, would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face to shine upon them? Would you be gracious to them and give them, cover them in your perfect, complete shalom? It's in your name. I ask this blessing. Thanks for listening to the Table Leadership Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the resources that were discussed at the table today and to connect with today's guest. Remember to subscribe to The Table Podcast and follow along on social media at The Table Leadership. 
visit thetableleadership.com to learn more about current courses and coaching opportunities. And finally, you can connect with me, your host, at cionedgerton.com or on social media at cionedgerton. I look forward to the next time that you pull up a seat at the table.